You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. We are intentional about this year. Just as we were last year, we were intentional about what we did last year. If you, if you sat down through the teachings of last year and you looked through the teachings of last year, you would have realized that every month's teaching flowed into the other, you know, to establish you, to establish your growth, to establish your upliftment, if that's the word that I can use. And so we're going to be intentional about this year also. And one of the things that you ought to know about this year is that this is the year where we are deliberate about the spread of God's word, the spread of the gospel, and um, as it were, the dominion of the kingdom. We have a dominion mandate on us, not just as a church, but as the body of Christ. And I think, I think um, if, I, if, if I'll be permitted to make statements like that, but I think God is calling the body of Christ to a season of dominion. You understand what I mean? Where if you look, if you look around you, almost every church, when they crossed over, had a, a theme of the a prophetic focus that focused on the spread and expansion of the gospel and dominion of the gospel over darkness. Almost everywhere you look around, there is that consistency. And when you see the Lord draw his body, when you see the Lord do things like that and give specific direction to his body, it it is worth paying attention to. You know what I mean? you, You ought to pay attention to it. And so that's... That's what we're doing. And so we're starting with a teaching series um, in January that we've titled Dauntless, Dauntless. And um, of course, the teaching scripture or the scripture that would run the teaching series for the month of January, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, right? 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 7. All right, everybody read 2 Timothy 1, 7 together. One, two, go. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And all through, um, during the teaching series, we're going to be talking about boldness. Let's start the month talking about boldness. All right. And one of the things, or the first teaching in the installment is titled, Purpose-Driven Boldness. Purpose-Driven Boldness. Hallelujah. So this teaching is going, is going to be quite um, voluminous, so I'd like you to pay attention. Um, and let's let's get let's get through it together. Purpose-driven boldness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 15. Let me give you an opportunity to open the book of Ecclesiastes this year. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 15. All right. It says, The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. Labor is not the question. It is wise labor that is the question. Do you understand? Labor is not the topic of conversation. It is wise labor that is the topic of conversation. Because there is such a thing as foolish labor. And from what you see here, foolish labor is labor that is not driven with a sense of purpose and direction. You see, because direction comes from purpose. Do you understand that? So, for instance, direction is determined by purpose. If I say, I want to go to the island, it wouldn't make any sense for me to start driving towards the corridor road. Does that make sense? I mean... If I say, okay, I'm going to the island, I'm going to Lekki or Ikoi, and then I now take my car, I drive out of this place, and instead of facing this side, I face this way. That takes me back into the mainland. Direction is given by purpose. And so, the foolish man's labor is foolish, or it wearies everyone because it is purposeless. There is boldness that is not driven by a sense of purpose. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is boldness, dauntlessness, that is not driven by a sense of purpose. I dare say that the thin line between boldness and stupidity is purpose. Because sometimes boldness can look stupid. But the thin line between boldness and stupidity is purpose. And so, we're going to start our teaching series and the year generally with a conversation on purpose. Why are you here? Why are you in this year? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So, let's define some terms before we go into the teaching proper. The purpose of anything is the reason why the thing exists. You know that, right? The purpose of anything is the reason why the thing exists. So, purpose defines reason. Why are you here? It's purpose. When every human being must answer the question of purpose, else life will have no meaning. The meaning of life is found in the purpose of life. Does that make sense? I think that should make some sense. The meaning of life is found in the purpose of life. You can't answer the question of meaning without purpose. You can't answer the question of meaning without purpose. And so, I want to, I want to tell you four things about purpose. Number one, purpose is not determined by the proposed Purpose is not determined by 
the purposed. Praise the Lord. Listen, I know it's the first Sunday of the year. You are excited. But write this down. Let us start off on the good, you know, on a good way, like in a good way. Let's start off well, on a good note. Purpose is not determined by the purpose. In fact, purpose is not determined. Purpose is discovered. Purpose is not determined. It is discovered. That's still under the first point. Purpose is not determined. It is discovered. The concept of purpose points your attention to the creator. Do you understand? If, if, I, if I was holding this thing, this microphone in my hand, and I did not know what it was, and I'm asking around, what is this thing? What is it for? And nobody knows. Everybody's mindset would then be, let us look for a manual. The manual that came with it. Why? Because the one who created it had a reason for creating it. So purpose points your mind back to the creator. So purpose is not determined. You look to the creator to discover the purpose of the creation. Some microphones are really heavy. I think the one, the one that the music team used is a very heavy microphone. And so at such, it can be used to punish people. You know, you can just be carrying it so that, you know, Lagos is a mad place. Somebody will just drive anyhow, you wind and stone him with microphone. You break the glass. And you determine that that's what that mic is for. Will it be an effective glass breaking tool? Will it? Yes, it will be. But will it have fulfilled the purpose of his creation? No. So this tells you another thing. That effectiveness is not a determinant of purpose. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm saying that because growing up, a lot of you were taught that your purpose, how you discover your purpose is look for that one thing that you are good at. And that's why you're on earth. Effectiveness does not determine purpose. Purpose is not determined. It's discovered. So I might be good at singing, but that's not why I'm on earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because humans are good at singing. Birds are also good at singing. So, in fact, some birds are better than... Have you heard some people sing? You know, I hear some people sing some songs and I tell them, if that's how, the person that sang that song, if that's how they sang it, you will never hear it. Praise the Lord. So, I'm good at singing. Birds are good at singing. Do we have the same purpose? If we have the same purpose, then the creator created a redundancy. Are you seeing what I'm saying? There was a waste of resources somewhere. If birds and humans have the same purpose then why did you create humans? Because he created birds first. What was now the point of creating the other? Praise Jesus. Purpose is discovered. You look back to the creator to find out why you were created. Number two, purpose is not unique. That one will shock a lot of people. Purpose is not unique. 
if I'm a carpenter, or let me, know, let me return back to my microphone analogy. All right. Um, this microphone was made by a company called AKG. And this microphone is called Mini Something Pro, right? Now, this microphone was mass-produced. Is that correct? And um, about a 1,000 pieces were sold. The 1,000 pieces were created for the same thing. Does that make sense? Good. So, purpose is not unique. As a carpenter, if I create chairs, no matter how beautiful I design a chair, the purpose of the chair is to relieve people, you know, of the stress of standing so that you can sit down. If I create a chair that has a battery, it can spin around, it can fly, but it's uncomfortable. Did I create a good chair? Did I create a good chair? Good. So the things that may make a thing look unique do not define the purpose. If the purpose is not actualized, all those other things that make it look unique become an insult to the thing. Does it make sense to you? So my parents sent me to school for radio stands, and I went there and I flopped school because I don't really do well in school like that. I'm not smart like that. And, but then I was doing ministry already in school. And so when I was coming out of school, my dad was upset. We sent you to school to go and read and get a good result. But you came out and everybody's calling you pastor. Is this how you want to be a pastor? Do you realize that my failure in school was made my ministry an insult. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Because I did not fulfill purpose, all those other good things that came with me being in school now became insults to my person. Do you get it? So you can have a singing clock. If a singing clock does not tell time, it's a waste of resources. So purpose is not unique. You and I were created for the same reason. Do you understand? And I'm going to talk to you very briefly um, during this teaching about what is called your assignment. The mistake that a lot of people make is that they mix up their purpose for their assignment. You don't mix the two of them up. I'll talk about it in a bit. But your assignment might be unique, but your purpose is not. Do you understand the difference between the two? Do you? I'll explain in a bit. Praise the Lord. So number one, purpose is not determined by the purpose. Purpose is not determined at all. Purpose is discovered. Number two, purpose is not unique. Number three, purpose is not happiness. I feel like I need to say that. Have you heard the statement? Do find what makes you happy. Do it and you'll be fulfilled. Your fulfillment is not what we are after. Amen. Amen. In a world where chairs can speak, they'll be very unhappy beings. Because they interact with the part of your body that is the most uncomely. Praise the Lord. Purpose. Purpose is not about happiness. It's not about happiness. Granted, some people might find happiness in fulfilling purpose. In fact, the irony of purpose is this. That when you abandon your happiness in pursuit of purpose, you will find true happiness. 
Do you understand that? When you abandon pleasure and happiness in pursuit of true purpose, when you find purpose, you will now find true happiness. It's like the irony of freedom that when you give up your freedom to be ruled by laws, you will then find true freedom. You know, anybody who is ruled by their desires is not truly free. The one who is truly free is one who has a grip on their desires. Do you understand? And to have a grip on your desires, you must put restrictions around yourself. So the irony of life is that to gain true freedom, you will put restrictions around yourself. To gain true happiness, you will give up your happiness. Praise the Lord. Am I making sense to you? Yes. That's life. That's the way it works. Jesus said, anybody who loves his life, he said he will lose it. But he says, anyone who gives up his life in this, in, this, in this world, he says he will gain it. Do you understand it? So it seems that the secret to, to gaining life is to leave the one, give, give the one you have up. I'm not saying you should kill yourself. Oh. Do you understand? I'm speaking figuratively. Purpose is not happiness. It is bad advice to do, always do what makes you happy. That's bad advice. I hope you know it's bad advice. Because if everybody lived like that, the world would be a terrible place. You can't assume that everybody derives joy from the things you derive joy from. Some people derive joy from the opposite of the things you derive joy from. Is that true? Yes. Some people derive joy in hurting others. Should they do what makes them happy? It's bad advice. If you live your life on that principle, you will be in trouble. Amen. You will be in trouble. It's, it's dry season now in Nigeria. And in some parts of the country, it's very cold. Lagos is mad. So there's a way the wind that brings the cold. When it got to Lagos, it just jumped over it. So it was cold for like 12 hours. Then Lagos was like, please, we don't do that here. Stop this thing. Just skipped. Because every other state, including Ogun State, which is just right next to Lagos, is cold. But not Lagos. And then it's cold now. But sometime in June, July, it's going to be very hot. Is that true? Yeah, it's going to be very, very hot. Now, if I tell you, do what makes you happy. I'm going to walk on the streets naked because it's bad advice. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, you don't do what makes you happy. You do what is right. Amen. Amen. Purpose is not happiness. Purpose is not happiness. Another irony of purpose is that many times when you discover true purpose, you will let go. You would have to sacrifice your happiness a lot of times. You would have to sacrifice comfort a lot of times on the altar of purpose. Purpose is not happiness. Number four, your purpose is not your career. 
Your purpose is not your career. Listen, there is actually a very easy way to determine what purpose is. It is this. On the last day, when I stand before God and I'm giving account of my life, what exactly is he going to ask me? Do you understand? In what areas will he hold me accountable? When you, when you understand that question, you realize what purpose is. Purpose is not career. Purpose is not skill. Purpose is not talent. Purpose is none of those things. Praise the Lord. Because I want to say something that you might find uncomfortable. But if purpose was skill, then everybody in the world who is utilizing their skill to the fullest regardless of what side they are playing on, so whether they are on the side of God or otherwise, are fulfilling their purpose. Should I say that in another way? Some people's skill is songs. They know how to sing. And then they write songs that promote immorality, serious immorality. If purpose was skill, those people are fulfilling their purpose on the earth. Now, what does, then, what does that then say about the creator? It's one of two things. Is that the creator is confused or he is very mischievous? Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So purpose is not skill. Purpose is not your talent. Do you know that talent can... What many people call talent is... Um, what many people call talent is a skill that you learned and honed over a period of time. That's what talent is, really. That's what talent is. Now, because of personality types, um, I'm coming down. So, because of personality types, a lot of people are more prone to certain things. So, for instance, if you are choleric, how many of you know what, what I mean? Personality types. You have um, the four types, um, um, phlegmatic, choleric, melancholic, and sanguine. So if you are choleric, you, you are more prone to leadership. Your personality type drives you to lead. Do you get? But that doesn't make you a good leader. Leadership as a skill must be honed. Do you get that you want to lead does not make you a good leader? Do you get it? So what the personality type just did was give you the propensity to lead, the, the desire to lead. But the skill itself will, will have to be honed. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Singing, for instance. A lot of people, you, you have a family, for instance, where um, most people in the family are singers or musically inclined. It, it is not necessary that they were born that way. It could have been nurture. You know what I mean? So you grew up, your dad was a keyboardist. So you grew up, even as a baby, listening to your dad play the keyboard. And you got used to it. So you developed an ear for music. Do you understand? I, I'm not saying that people are not born with natural inclinations and skills but I'm saying that a lot of what many people call talent is actually skill that has developed over a period of time. Do you get what I'm saying? 
That cannot be your purpose. Does it make sense? That truly can't be your purpose. And so if you will discover purpose, you must look beyond skill. Your purpose is not your career. Your career is many times an attempt to escape poverty. Have I said the truth? Yes. Many of you are bankers. You have no business with the bank. The only thing about money you like is spending it. Yet you work in a bank. It's your career. That's not your purpose. Another thing you need to understand is that if purpose was career, then purpose is shaky. Because some careers were made obsolete by technology. Is that correct? What then happens to those who their purpose is that career? For instance, careers like accounting. If you're an accountant here, raise your hand. Wave at me. Do I have any? You're an accountant. I'm sorry to announce to you that you're... <laughs> your career path. Even you, you know. There are now softwares that can do the bulk of what you do. You, so now you find yourself having to um, augment your first degree with another skill set that makes your first degree, you know, sort of durable. Because if, you, if it's just basic accounting, there, there, are, there are softwares that can do that. So if your purpose in life was to be an accountant, you are stranded. Am I making sense? So purpose is not, cannot be your career. Purpose is not talent. Purpose is not skill. Purpose is not career. None of those things are your purpose. And you cannot determine your purpose by looking at those things. Praise the Lord. Some people are in a career path because of conditions. And then, I think the last time I did this teaching, there was something I said. There are some skills and talents that you will not discover because of geographical location. Is it true? For instance, do you know how to ski? You don't know that you don't know how to ski. We don't have snow. All the things that make skiing impossible. Do you understand? Some talents you discovered when you went to school. Because you were now in an environment that, that um, sustained that talent. Do you understand? So, God will be the biggest cosmic joker if he took somebody that he created for skiing and he put him in Nigeria. It's now worse if the person was now born into a poor family, so there's no hope of traveling abroad. Do you understand what I'm saying? Purpose cannot depend on all of those things. Those things are too fickle to determine purpose. Purpose is the reason why man was created. And so why was man created? Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. We used to sing this song in Sunday school. Everybody look up. Read Revelations 4, 11 together once to go. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for what? They are and were. So, number one, you were created for God's pleasure. Do you understand 
You were created to satisfy God's pleasure. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that's okay. Because we can trust that God is good. So he doesn't have inordinate desires. Praise the Lord. You know, there's this arrogance that comes with self-consciousness that plagues, that plagues um, especially people in our generation. So I've said this several times. A couple of months ago, I was on Twitter and I saw somebody, um, the person tweeted something stupid like, um, I think it's time we started holding God accountable for all the evil he has done. I'm not even arguing with you on the part where you said all the evil he has done. I don't believe God does evil, but let's not even argue on that. Let's argue on holding God accountable. Who will hold God accountable? You? You can't even hold yourself accountable. You? You want to hold God? How? If you truly believe he's God, you want to hold him accountable? Praise the Lord. We were created for God's pleasure. Now, the beautiful thing is that we don't have to guess as to what God's pleasure is. We, we don't have to guess. We can find out from scripture. God didn't leave us in the dark on the subject. Do you get this? God didn't leave us in the dark on what his desires are. God didn't leave us in the dark on what his will is. We know what God wants. We can tell what God wants. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. First Timothy. You know what? Let's start reading from verse 1. First Timothy chapter 2 from verse 1. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 4. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications and prayers, intercessions and giving of things be made for all men. Verse 2. It says, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Verse 3. It says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Then he puts a semicolon, which means um, I'm about to say something about what I have said now. Do you understand? So next verse. He then says, who will have all men to be what? And do what? And to come unto the knowledge so we can, de- we can discern what God's will is. Paul tells us, God will have all men to be saved. So when the Bible says that we were created for God's good pleasure, God created man to save man. Praise the Lord. You know, when you read back to Genesis, and we're going to do a very short Bible study in Genesis, the first experience you have between God and man is that God created man, number one, to have fellowship with him. Do you understand it? To be with him, to relate with him. God created man to express his love on man. Do you get it now? God created man to express his love on man. 
But man fell. And so, in expression of his love for man, he started saving man. Do you get it now? So, salvation is God's will for man. And that salvation is still an expression of God's love for man. It's fellowship with man. Are you following? Are you following? So, why did God create man, the Bible says, for his pleasure? What was his pleasure? What was he pleased to do? He was pleased to show his love towards man. Are you getting it? And then man fell. Man rejected that love. And in an act of his own good pleasure, he saved man. That's the salvation story. That's the purpose of man. The chief purpose of man. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read from verse 3 to verse 7. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, in heavenly places, verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Look at this. First and foremost, his choice was made in love. But that choice was before the foundation of the world that you will be holy and blameless before God. Which means that when God intended to create man, he intended to create a race of people with whom he will be perpetually pleased. Are you getting it? He chose us to be holy and blameless in Christ. Are you getting this? Next verse, verse 5. He says, Having predestinated us unto adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, do you see that again? Now, God's pleasure is going to be revealed in a bit. We see that it was according to the good pleasure of his will that he adopted us as children in Christ. Are you following? Yeah. So he says, according to the good pleasure of his will. Next verse. He says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his... I explained the scripture at camp meeting, Right? Verse 8. He says, Wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. 9. Pay attention now. He says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. So, a few verses earlier, he spoke about the good pleasure of God's will. But now, he's now saying that will is no longer a mystery. He has made known unto us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure. So his will is according to his good pleasure, which he has proposed in himself. Which means that before anybody influenced his will or desires, he had one singular will, which he proposed in himself according to his good pleasure. Does that make sense? All right, next verse. Because I'm about to tell you what it is. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things were so the good pleasure of God's will is that all men be found in Christ does that make sense 
I'll say it again. The good pleasure of God's will is that all men be found in Christ. He says, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. The good pleasure of God's will is that all men be found in Christ. First Timothy 2.3, he says, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The good pleasure of God's will is not just you and I in Christ, but everybody outside in Christ. Now, if God has created all things for his pleasure, it means that God created you, number one, to know him, and number two, to make him known, to be saved and to save others. Are you getting this? This simplifies the question of purpose. Remember, I told you, purpose is not unique. You and I have the same purpose. It is to be saved and to save others. To know Christ and to make him known. If you will fulfill purpose, you must understand this. That on the last day, the Lord is not going to ask you, I gave you the, the ability to sing. What did you do with the singing ability I gave you? I gave you the ability to barb hair. What did you do with the ability to barb hair that I gave you? I gave you the ability to um, cut grass. What did you do with that? He's not going to ask you any of those. He's going to ask you one question. I gave you my son, Jesus Christ. What did you do with him? Did you get saved? Did you save others? Do you get it? The good pleasure of God's will is that at the fullness of times, he will gather all in Christ. He wants all to be in Christ. And Paul understood the assignment. So you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 16 says, and all things are of God. Put up, no, sorry, verse 17 rather. Let's start from verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15 actually says, um, and he died for all that they which live should henceforth live on, uh, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Look at this. And he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. This is a statement of purpose. If you go into any organization, they will give you a vision and a mission statement. Is that correct? They'll give you a vision and a mission statement. This is your mission statement. He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, he didn't just leave the statement open. Paul goes ahead to define what he means by living for him which died for you. Verse 16. He says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him, know him, know we him no more. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18. And all things are of God. Who hath reconciled us are you seeing that? 
to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So not only did he reconcile you to himself, he gave you a ministry of reconciliation. Not only did he save you, he gave you a duty to save others. Are you getting this? Next verse, verse 19. It says, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Purpose defined. Do you understand this? Purpose defined. God did not just create you to have fun and die. God created you. And then when you were in this world, he proposed that you will be saved and you will save others. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So there is a work that God is doing. And part of the partnership or fellowship you have with him is to continue in that work with him. Do you understand it? So God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. But he has committed to you the message of reconciliation. Which means that everyone God wants to reconcile to himself is at your mercy. Because if you do not preach the message, if you do not take the message to them, there is no way they will be reconciled to God. Are you getting this? So, when, listen, in the pursuit of purpose, you have to have a henceforth moment. A moment where you say, from this point on, I have discovered what my life is about. Some people will call it that aha moment. Oh, I see. Paul gave you that henceforth moment in 2 Corinthians 5.15. He says that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth no longer. When you discover what your life is about, then that's that's the paradox of purpose, that when I finally discover what my life is about, I'll be ready to lay it down. That he died for all. That they which live should henceforth no longer live for themselves. Praise the Lord. And so, remember this is purpose driven boldness we are talking about. And so, if your boldness is a boldness that is geared towards living for yourself. Is foolishness. Remember the first scripture we read, or the second one we read, that the labor of the foolish wearies every man because he does not know the way. If your dauntlessness is not geared towards the purpose of Christ, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. Praise the Lord. This is how you determine everything. Oh. Pastor, I want to go into the music ministry. I believe strongly that there is a call on my life to sing and to bring blessings into people. And then, you know, all of those beautiful things that you say. But the problem now is that gospel, the gospel music industry is not um, profitable. I want to go into mainstream secular. There is no problem with going into mainstream secular. I'm saying it now. 
There is really no problem with going into mainstream secular music, provided your purpose remains intact. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Really no problem if you decide, okay, you want to wake up and you want to do just love songs. Secular music is not demonic music. Secular music is music that is not religious in nature. That's the meaning of the word secular. The national anthem is secular music. Praise the Lord. I went to a secondary school where they catch you listening to secular. They say, ah, you're singing secular songs. And they tell, they tell you there's a spirit behind the lyrics. I agree. I agree. But secular music is not necessarily devilish music. Secular music can be influenced by God. Are you guys what I'm saying? So you can write good love songs. Love songs that promote what the gospel is about. You don't have to mention Jesus in the song. You don't even have to talk about substitution. And you know, I saw, I saw um, a skit on Instagram, or a meme on Instagram, and the person was like, why do I love to listen to Nigerian songs? And so he played a, a line of a song by the prophet Davido, and the song says, every time I look into your eyes, I see your waist. Help me. Help, help me. I look into your eyes. and I... How? It's, and, and, you know, we jokingly say it. Love songs of the 80s, love songs of the 90s, and even the early 2000s were love songs, Right? I like the way you make me feel. We will live forever together, grow old and die. Happy couple. Love songs today. They just say, you look like your mother. You look like your father. Your waist. <laughs> I like the way your hair looks. Your smile is very nice. Your waist. <laughs> That's it now. It's funny, but I pity our sons and daughters growing up. Because we are raising a generation that now defines love by waste. It's true. For the longest time, a lot of people don't understand how social engineering works. For the longest time, you watched movies where the boy and the girl, they met each other at the airport. One jammed the other one. Her back fell down. They bent down together, picked it up. The very next scene, they are kissing. Is that how easy it is? Two scenes later, they have off clothes. And it was funny until it became a reality. It was... So, you have 15-year-olds, 12-year-olds that no more, no more about sex than you. You are in your 20s. Why? Secular music. So there is nothing wrong as a Christian if you get up and you decide, I want to make catchy music. I want to make good music that I'm not going to mention Jesus in, 
but I'm going to portray the, the, gospel, the, the values of Christianity in my song. Do you understand? We're playing catch-up. We are playing catch-up, and it's a terrible thing. You know, a, a friend of mine was asking me that, is it not just enough to preach the gospel? I said, it should be, but in this world we live in, there are too many things striving for the believer's attention for us to be quiet and playing church Sunday, Sunday service. Too many things. Have you, do you ever stop and ask, why? There's no need. Some of these things that we say, it's not harmless. Ask yourself, why are they doing it? Why do we need to know, for instance, the sexuality of Superman? Is there any reason to know? When we were growing up, the entire argument was that Superman is stronger than Hulk. If, I, if he should punch you, your head went inside ground. If this one should punch you, you disappear. Why do we need to know his sexuality? That, oh, this Superman loves guys. This other one. Does it add to his power? Yet, that's what your children will grow up watching. This is the bridge be- between purpose and assignment. Because when you understand purpose, you will then walk into the assignments that God has given you and fulfill them properly. Sometimes those assignments, you don't even have to have a divine assignment. You will then realize that the location where you are in, for you to express your purpose, an assignment must be carried out. So you methodically carry out your assignment. Are you getting what I'm saying? God created Adam and put him in the garden. God did not create Adam to be a gardener. Are you getting it? Do you get it? His purpose was not to be a gardener. But if he was going to fellowship with God, he couldn't do so in an unkempt garden. So he had to tend to the garden. You don't understand it. If you will fulfill your purpose on earth, you can't do so in the environment that you are in. The way it is, you must seek to influence it. This is why Jesus uses the parable of light to, defra- to define the believer. That you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Listen, if a city set on a hill it is full of light, then every other city under the hill or at the base of the hill will be lit by the light of that city. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what Jesus intended. He said you are the salt of the earth. If you put salt in, in food, immediately you discern the taste of the salt. You see the difference. So there is assignment that has been committed to you. And that assignment is because of purpose. The problem is that Christians, we are too obvious. We don't know how to methodically carry out our assignments. Listen, evangelize. It is extremely important that you go out and evangelize. But let me tell you something. In your workplace, be smart. The Bible tells us to be wise as serpents, yet gentle as doves. That's method. Don't just wake up and then say, you, I don't like the way you address. Do you know it's very ungodly? No. Systematically. Seek to take them systematically from here, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Yes. It's, it's the connection between assignment and purpose. And if as a believer you will fulfill purpose, you must understand how to carry out your assignment. Amen. Listen, there's a lot of work you need to do. Now, it's not even, you know, I think it is more glaring in the media and entertainment sphere. But not just in the media and entertainment. Everywhere there's work to do. Listen, if you are in a home and you have younger ones, don't leave the upbringing of your younger ones to school and social media and TV. Don't do that. Be methodical. Do you get what I'm saying? And it's not by organizing morning devotion only. Morning devotions are important, but you know, it's not by 5 a.m. in the morning you now start clapping, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Lord. No. Praise the Lord. You know, there was a story in the Bible, John chapter 4. Jesus meets this woman by the well. And she's there trying to fetch some water. And Jesus approached her knowing exactly what he wanted to talk about. You know, Jesus did not just go there haphazard and let's see where this conversation goes. He knew why he wanted to reach out to her. But he started by saying, give me water to drink. That's method. Are you getting it? That's method. He said, give me water to drink. Do said, uh uh-uh. You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. I can't give you water to drink. He, then he now, deviate, it shows you that he really didn't want water to drink. Immediately she said that. He was like, great. He said, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask me for water. She said, uh-uh. She, I'm blind. You want to wine me. You are not carrying any fetching pail. There is no bucket with you. How are you going to get this water? And he said, I have water that if you drink, you will never thirst again. Do you see method? Are you seeing skill now? I have water that if you drink, you will never thirst again. He said, really? Give me this water, let me drink it. And then the next statement was, go and call your husband. The interplay of the gifts of the spirit and skill. So the next statement was, go and call your husband. And the woman is like, ah. I don't have husband. They say, you have spoken well. Word of knowledge. You've been married five times before. You are with a man now. He's your sixth. He's not even your husband. And immediately he says, you say, ha, I discern that you are a... Do you know that Jesus could have known all of those details about her the moment he saw her? Do you know? But he didn't start with, the man you are living with is not your husband. Do you know fornication is a sin? <laughs> Pastor Jesus is not fornicating. <laughs> Which is how a lot of us would have started. Just say, madam, sorry, sister. Please don't be angry. Why are you fornicating? <laughs> have you seen that meme? Why are you gay? Say, who says I'm gay? You are gay. <laughs> say, why are you fornicating, sister? Do you want to go to hell? Do not be looking at her. What are you saying? Say, madam, I'm looking at you now. You have been with five men. Am I lying? <laughs> or you want to lie now so that prophecy will scatter you? You've been with five men. The one you are with now is not your husband. See, God said I should tell you. 
If you don't leave that man today, <laughs> honest to God, that's what a lot of people would have done. You need to learn the interplay. You need to know how to fulfill your assignments. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's wisdom. Praise the Lord. It's wisdom. Know when to seize, take opportunity of things. Last Sunday, we did a carol service. Opportunity that many of you should have seized. You did not seize it. You have people that... For the longest time, we've been trying to get them to church. But they're just, they're Jaya people. We are doing party in church. Come. When they come, they will hear the word of God small at the end, after they've eaten. It's little things like that that matter. All right. Okay, so you want to go out. You want to go to, uh, let's say there's um, something happening somewhere. You want to go, I'll go with you. Or you'll follow me on Sunday. Do we have a deal? Do you know it's little things like that that matter? You don't have to start every conversation about Jesus by saying, Brother, do you know that God loves you? Praise the Lord. And let me explain something to you, whether you know it or not. If you are, if you are here, and now, there is a reason you are here now. Do you get it? There is a, God has a reason for you to be here now. And many times, that reason is two-sided. It's not just for you to receive, but for you to also... There was a story in Esther, I think Esther chapter 4. Another opportunity to open the book of Esther this year. Because I'm not sure after, after today, many of you will. Esther chapter 4 verse 14. Esther chapter 4 verse 14. It says, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, there shall their enlargement and de- deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. This is what... So this statement was Mordecai speaking to Esther. The Jews were being oppressed. Um, the king, I think it was um, Xerxes or Ahasuerus, was oppressing the Jews. Not really him, but Haman. Haman was oppressing the Jews. Haman was the right-hand man to the king. And he was oppressing the Jews. And Esther was the king's wife. But Esther was a believer in the God of the Jews. She was a Jew. Are you getting this? And so she goes to meet her uncle for advice. And the uncle tells her, if you play it low now, he says, for if you, you know what, can you give me this in another translation? I, I want everybody to be able to see what I am saying. Um, NLT, look at this. It says, for if you keep quiet at a time like this, it says, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Your nonchalant attitude is too costly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your non-challenged attitude is too costly. Your, your love for comfort is too costly. Your love for ease is too costly. Your love for reputation is too costly. Do you get it? 
He says, if you keep quiet, God will find a way to save the Jews. But you see, you and your relatives, they probably die. They'll probably die. Listen, the body of Christ will march on, whether we like it or not. With or without your input, it will march on. But make sure it doesn't match on without your impute. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Don't be in a home where there are unsaved people and you are not doing anything about it. Are you following me? You are in your house. Your father is not saved. Your mother is not saved. Your siblings are not. Don't, don't just sit down and accept it. Because your quietness is too costly. Praise the Lord. You know, this generation, I I was saying this during the camp meeting, this generation thinks that we are moving forward. We are not. They call it forward thinking. It is not. There is nothing new under the sun. You need to understand, there is nothing new under the sun. Devices that are coming up now, they are not new. Satan has used them before. Homosexuality is not new. Do you get it? All of those things, that pornography is not new. Prostitution is not new. Nothing is new under the sun. So, the body of Christ is not going anywhere. In fact, the reason why they seem new is because at some point they were prevalent that the body of Christ prevailed against it. Do you understand? And pushed it into obscurity. And then people like you and I were quiet and so it came back up. Somebody said that evil only thrives when good men do nothing. Are you getting what I am saying? So, Mordecai was talking to Esther. He says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives, he said, you will die. He now makes a statement. He says, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. The KJV says, who knows that you were born for such a time as this. Listen, let me tell you something. God had a plan for your life from the very first day you were born. Are you getting what I'm saying? He had a purpose for you to save you and to get you to save others. And in, in line with that purpose, God has put you in... Listen, there are rooms that only you can enter. Do you get what I'm saying? Places that only you can get to. There are people that you can reach that I cannot reach. With all the anointing and glory that God has given to me for me, I can't reach them. It will take you. Because if Jesus walked into that woman at the well, if he walked into her village and was preaching for three days and three nights, do you realize that he would still not have gotten the response that he got when the woman ran back into the village and said, come and see a man that told me all about my life. He wouldn't have gotten the same response. He wouldn't have. It took that woman to go back and tell everyone that come and get saved. Your silence is too costly. So if you will be bold, this is where your boldness is needed. First of all, 
Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, I know you want to be bold enough to insist that you will see all that God has said you will see. But if you are going to be bold, this is where it is first needed. There was a scripture I quoted, I quoted to you, Matthew chapter 6, um, during the crossover. I said, look, look to the birds of the air. It says they don't work, but your father in heaven feeds them. It says, look at the lilies of the field. He said, they don't know anything. Yet Solomon in all his glory, he's not arraigned like any one of them. He says, which one of you by thinking or taking thoughts or worrying will add a cubit to his stature or a length to his life? He says, take no thought what you will eat or you drink. He says, because your father in heaven knows that you have need of them. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. The rule is to seek first the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Don't be unaffected by the spread of darkness around you. Don't be unaffected by it. Don't open Twitter and see that, oh, they've legalized this now. Hmm. Only God knows where this world is going now. And you stop. What? You know, one problem I have had with the definition of evangelism up until now, is that there is a way evangelism helped everyone neglect their responsibilities. Because, truthfully, a lot of people just go out, you hold a megaphone, or you carry a microphone with a small speaker, just stand by the side of the road, shout, on the last day, on the last day, only true believers will be raptured. You know the song, right? And then you finish singing that, you preach a message, you go back. Even if you preach the gospel, the, the proper gospel, God is not angry. You just preach it on the road and you go back to a home that has unbelievers. You have never once preached to them. But you went out for evangelism. Charity begins at home. Save your brother. Praise the Lord. Yes, save your brother. Save your sister. Save your colleagues. You get back to the office because if every Christian evangelized their circle, there will be no need for outside evangelism. Do you get it? If every Christian evangelized their circle, there will be no need or little need for outside evangelism. We won't need to be hitting the streets and going shop to shop to say, okay, oh, brethren, I come in the name of the Lord, oh, ah, peace be upon this shop, oh. That, no, there won't be need for any of those or little need for that because those people in their homes somebody would have evangelized to them so if you are going to be dauntless start here because you were born, I'm telling you now you were born for such a time as this when we did synchronicity how many of you remember the teaching, synchronicity I taught you how the things, the seeming coincidences in your life that led you here were not coincidences. It was, remember during call to worship, there was a scripture I read about um, when there was famine in Israel. And there was so much famine that these two women now agreed, let's boil your son and eat today. Tomorrow, you remember that scripture? 
And then the king got so upset, he called for the prophet. And the prophet said, thus said the Lord, according to the time of life, by this time tomorrow, a measure of this will go for this amount. A measure of this will go for this amount. Everything very reduced because there will be so much food. And the Bible tells us that how God brought that prophecy to come to pass. I like that scripture because I like that scripture because it is one of the few scriptures that highlights the coincidences that led to the fulfillment of God's plan. There were four lepers outside of the city. And these four lepers, they were so hungry because if the people in the city are hungry, then the castaways are Do you get it? So they were so hungry that they looked to the opposing town. People that were at war against them. I said, you know what? Let's just go inside there and go and look for food. He said, it's one of three things. If we stay here, we will die. If we go back into the city, they will stone us because we are lepers. At least if we go inside there, they will capture us as prisoners of war and keep us in their prison and be giving us food. That was why they went back. And the Bible says that what they didn't know was that A few hours before, the Lord had caused an angel to stay the camp of the Assyrians. That's the other place where they wanted to go to. Stay their camp such that all the soldiers heard a mighty army marching towards them. And they ran away from the camp and left their food there. So when the lepers got there, they were like, ha, what's going on? Food everywhere. And so the lepers ran back to Israel, told the king, there's food. The king sent someone, the person went there, looked, saw food, they gathered the food and went back. And the next day, just like the prophet said, are you seeing this? The interplay of prophecy and coincidence. So I'm saying all of that to let you know that what brought you here is not coincidence. It may have looked like a coincidence. Somebody was just speaking, somebody just said something, you saw our our post on Instagram and you're like, hmm, they're not far from my house. Let me just go to church. It wasn't coincidence. You were brought here for such a time as this. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have work to do. You have too much work to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let us be the generation of light. If you are doing music, do it for lights. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Every day you open Facebook. When you open Facebook, the first question Facebook asks you is what is on your mind. And never has it been the gospel on your mind. Never. Don't be that kind of a Christian. Be intentional about reaching out to people with the resources God has given to you. Listen, we'll read one more portion of scripture and then we wrap it up Mark chapter 15 we'll read 43 to 46 Mark chapter 15 43 to 46 are you there Mark chapter 15 thank you now look up it says Joseph of Arimathea an honorable counselor which also waited for the kingdom of God came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved or asked for the body of Jesus See. Oh, let's continue. Next verse. He says, And Pilate marveled if he were already dead. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been he had been any while dead, as they were asking if Jesus was dead. Verse 45. And the centurion, and when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph of Arimathea. Verse 46. 
And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone onto the door of the sepulcher. Let me tell you something. If Joseph of Arimathea did not step up to claim the body of Jesus Christ, we would have no account of the resurrection as it were. But Joseph of Arimathea could only step up because he was a politician. Are you getting this? Listen. Mary, the mother of Jesus, could not go to Pilate and say, give me Jesus' body. You need to understand how it worked. If they killed a, a, a criminal... Golgotha was known as the place of bones, the valley of bones. Why? Because when they kill criminals, they would just dump their bodies in the valley. Do you get what I'm saying? So what would have happened was when they killed Jesus, they would have brought his body down from the cross and dumped it in the valley. And when they dump your body like that, as the mother of the person that was killed, you can't just go and say, give me this person's body. He's a criminal. His body belongs to the state. Do you get what I'm saying? So you have one of two options. It's either you abandon him in the valley or you will go in the middle of the night and sieve through a sea of dead bodies to retrieve. Do you get it? So it took someone in a position of influence and authority to make sure that the prophecy of Jesus' resurrection was recorded. Think about it. That if Joseph of Arimathea was silent... I, all we are doing today would be a lie. You can argue. Because they can say we didn't know where he was buried. But the reason we can argue for the resurrection of Jesus today is that we can point to the cave where they buried him and say, see where he was buried. Look at it here. We can only do that because a person in the position of influence got up, went to Pilate and said, we are friends, are we not? We are friends. Give me this person's body. Pilate would have asked him, what do you want the body for? He said, don't worry, it's not my business. It's not your business. Give, it, give him to me. I'll pay you. Or I'll do you a favor. I'll get you something. Maybe make you the next governor. Just give me the body. If Joseph did not step up, this is the concept of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel means a stranger in Babylon and a dispersion to confusion. You can Google it. Listen, Zerubbabel was, was governor over Judea, all right, and the work God gave him was to disperse confusion in Babylon. Listen, you were born for such a time as this. You are not just in your workplace by accident. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are not just in that home by accident. You are not in that relationship by accident. You don't have those connections by accident. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. You were born for such a time as this. If Joseph of Arimathea did not step up, think about it. If he did not step up and pick the body of Christ, every scientist that has tried to refute the claim of the resurrection would be right or at least have a reason to do so today. Every atheist that has opened their mouths to say Jesus was not really raised from the dead will have a reason to have those arguments today. And we would be silent before them because how do we prove it? 
The only reason, do you realize that one of the only reasons we can say Jesus was raised from the dead and people saw him was when they went to the tomb where he was buried without anybody moving him, his body was gone. All of that was possible because of one man, Joseph of Arimathea. He had the boldness to step up to Pilate and say, give me his body. I want his body. You have work to do. I've told you, your silence is too costly. It's too costly. Life is fickle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Life is fickle. That driver that you have been telling yourself, I'll preach to, he can die tomorrow morning. I hope you know. And not just that. Listen, not just that. So God puts you in a position of influence. I saw, I saw a meme, a video, by this guy named Sully Briggs. How many of you know Sully Briggs? Okay. But he was talking about influencers. Was it, was it Sully Briggs or Ezekiel? Some guy was talking about influencers. And he said, you call yourself an Instagram influencer. You call yourself a Facebook influencer. What exactly... Are you influencing people for? What exactly are you? And listen, every one of us is an influencer in our own right. Every one of us is an influencer in our own right. It's not by having a lot of followers on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not by that. Every one of us here, as long as there is somebody who asks you for advice... And you give that advice and the person follows it, you're an influencer. What exactly are you influencing people with and for? Praise the Lord. Three years ago, I was driving through, I was driving past some place in Lagos. And I saw this big mosque. And I saw dedicated by the family of Alhaji, so, so, so. And I started to think to myself, this guy came here, he saw that there was a need for a mosque. There was an entire community of Muslims and he built a mosque for them. But in the body of Christ today, we prioritize our savings for a car above the need for the gospel to spread. Listen, as long as we are still given to culture or to a culture that promotes self-needs and happiness above the spread of the gospel. See this fight that we are fighting, we can't win it. Because the people we are fighting against, they would rather be poor than see their religion under. And I'm not just talking about Muslims now. I'm talking about high rank. Some things that I can't just say on pulpits. But if you have insight as to the way the world works, let me tell you, there are wicked people in this world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are people that if they had the opportunity to extinguish Christianity, they will like this. And those people are pumping in resources. Listen, we are going to do it in this church. We'll do it here. God will give us the resources. We will take a music artist... And just push your career. Make sure the world hears you. There are 
pumping in resources day and night. Listen, you might want to say it's not that serious, but ask yourself, why are these music videos always geared towards something satanic, something extremely controversial and against the gospel? Many of them are. This song that was recently released by this guy, what's his name? What's his name? Yeah, Lil Nas X. That everybody uses for their TikTok videos. Da, na, 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 na. You know that one, right? Yeah. Have you seen the video of that song? <laughs> Have you seen the video of that song? When I watched the video of the song, I, I saw it on, I think I saw it on TV or I saw it on YouTube. I saw it on TV. I saw the video of the song and I said, my God. And guess what? They were showing that video in the afternoon. And I was just looking at the video. And then a lot of people say it's art. <laughs> I pity. <laughs> Listen. These people know the significance of what they are doing. Are you hearing what? They know what they are doing. They know what they are doing. They are reinforcing belief systems behind. So, you want to go into the music industry and then they tell you, you know, it's a thing now. Let me tell you, there are record labels in Nigeria that if you check through every song, every album on Apple Music, all the songs by all the artists are tagged explicit. There are record labels like that. And if you are going to be a part of that record label, you cannot be a decent singer. You can't be. You must rebrand yourself. I've, I've spoken to several people who are musicians that will tell you that if you are going to do music in Nigeria and your music will blow, there, there are a couple of things you can aside from Godfatherism, which is a big thing, there are a couple of things you cannot do without, especially in the secular industry. You must have girls dancing in a very obscene manner in your... Do you know how ridiculous it is that the entire world is pining for the forward movement of feminism and yet the entire world is okay with women being viewed as sex objects in music videos? You have work to do. So they now come to you and you want to start your own music career. You now say, oh, Pastor, that's the way. If we don't do it, we cannot blow. I'd rather not blow. But if I'm going to blow, I must blow with the right message. A lot of people say, don't worry, let's start like that. When we get there, when we now blow, we will now start. It does not matter. Are you hearing what I'm saying? With all due respect to his Christianity, Kanye West says the Christian now, right? Right? Does it delete all the videos? In fact, the one that he did just before he became a Christian about how he likes porn and how he likes prostitutes, does it delete all those videos? Does it remove the influence of those videos on people's hearts? You have work to do. So you have a friend. Your friend is about to get into the music space or your friend is already in the music space. Start slowly influencing them. Do better. They send you a song. They say, my guy, there's this song I want to release. I want you to hear it. Tell me what you think. And then you listen to the song. And then the first line of the song is when I look into your eyes, I see your waist. You call your friend and say, come. 
explain this line now. Abi, are you okay? Listen, it's true. When you meet many of these um, musicians out there who are extremely, um, they, you know, very voracious and very sex-driven in their music, when you meet them in person, they are calm, quiet, shy people. So many of them have to take on a new persona. Listen, demon possession is a real thing, no? Many of them have to take on a new persona to be. So many of them will tell you, when I'm on stage, I'm a different person. This is not that I have to now start thinking different. No. This is, many times when I watch my videos, I'm like, how? You have work to do. And they're your friends, who? You have business. Some of you run businesses. The gospel has never once benefited of your business. These things are simple. They are not that hard to do. Some of you, it's not business. You come from wealthy homes. You have, your parents have money. Convince them in our streets. Let us feed 100 people. Gather those 100 people. Give them food. As they are sitting down, as you've given them food, talk the gospel to them. Do you get it? Oh, okay, I don't have money, but I have time. I want to be a lesson teacher. Lesson teaching, okay, it's fine. As your teacher, I'm asking you to preach during lesson time. Oh. But instill values. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. You were born for such a time as this. Whether you know it or not, God brought you into this world for such a time as this. Praise the Lord. Every year you run, let me, let me give you a secret or let me give you a, a principle that will help you. When you are running your goals and projections for the year, plan for the gospel. I want to get this number of people saved. I want to do this for the gospel. I want to buy this for the gospel. I want to get this done. Are you getting this? Some of you, is in the little things. There was a message that was preached in church. It addressed a certain problem you were having. You have a friend. Your friend is going through the same thing, has the same problem. But because your friend is not really the churchy type, you are afraid to say, I listened to this person and the person actually addressed this issue. Can you listen? Do you know what is funny? If your friend finds out that you had the solution all along, but you didn't tell them, they will be upset with you. Praise the Lord. So the first area of boldness is be bold for the gospel. Praise the Lord. Say, I will be bold for the gospel. Yes. Dare to do big things. See, make sure that like every other goal in your life, you step up the parameters of success or your definition of success when it comes to spiritual things. If last year I was praying 30 minutes, I can't be praying 30 minutes this year. I've grown too much. 
Let me make it an hour. Do you understand? Yes. If I study my Bible once a week, I think I can do it three times a week now. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. If I preached once, maybe once every month to somebody about the gospel, can I make it four times a month, once every week? Let's, let's start from there. My offering, my offering, because this is another part that many people don't want to hear. My offering last year was a hundred naira. God has blessed you. And yet it's still the same. The problem is on you. The problem is on you. You have people. Listen, the people that are against what you believe, they are giving everything for it too. They are giving everything for it. They will sell car, sell house, sell just so. Some people set up businesses for the sole aim of sponsoring their cause. Can we have that? People who set up businesses and they want the business to thrive. They feed from the business, but they tell God that God, you see, as long as this business is alive, it will sponsor the gospel. That's the only way we can do what we are doing. Because they've gotten the memo. It's expensive to do it. Influence is expensive. Those of you who try YouTube videos or you want to become an influencer on social media, you know influence is expensive. You sponsor, you take a video, sponsor the video on Instagram with 20K. And you would think that, okay, it will get me 100 followers. And then after 20K has been spent, it's just like 10 people that followed you. Influence is expensive. So some people will have to, I'm telling you what this year is going to be like for you. Because many people don't realize that the resources that God puts in your hand, he not just puts in your hand because he loves you. He loves you. But he don't just put the resources in your hand so that you flex. God puts some resources in your hand for the gospel. That's what Mordecai was telling Esther. You were made queen. God did not just make you queen. So we read the story of Esther and many people have gone to Esther's story to draw the most unimportant points from it. That while other women were wearing makeup, Esther refused to wear makeup. Who told you? Let me tell you something that's very, very, that will shock you. You know one night with the king, that Esther went to spend one, what do you think she was doing that night? Preaching to the guy. Do you think that's what she was doing? That she went into the king and spent, because the process for becoming, somebody will go and spend the night, all the women will spend the night with the king, and the king will pick his wife, right? Right? And that night, what do you think she was doing? Lullaby. Pick the most unimportant point. The important thing is God situated her there for that moment. Are you getting it? God situated you here where you are now. Not just here in church. But in the season of your life where you are. With the resources in your hands. He put you here for the gospel's sake. Because you need to understand something. God's resources are directed towards his purposes. He doesn't waste resources. 
I taught, I taught you people something a couple of Wednesdays ago in Festac, when we're still having Wednesday services in Festac. And I told you how that there is a science behind the favor of God. And the science is to discover the purpose of God and stay in it. Because his resources are attracted to his purpose. He pumps his resources in the direction of his purpose. So when God gave you a thousand naira and the gospel did not feel burned from that one thousand naira, all your prayers that God test me with one million. God is like, I know you. I give you one thousand. What did you do with it? That's the lesson of the parable of the talents. Are you getting it? That's the lesson. The lesson is not uh, God can God put you in this world to sing. What did you know? The lesson is. There are resources that God will give you for the purpose of the kingdom. And God intends for the effect of the resources to be multiplied because of your use of those resources. Are you getting it? So if God gave you a millionaire and all you did was buy a car, you are like that one servant who got one talent and put it under his bed. Because when the wicked master came back, he said you could have at least put it in the bank so it will yield interest. If God gave you a million and all you did was move from Ikorodu to Leki, then you are like that guy. Am I saying you shouldn't make those moves? Buy yourself a car. Move if you need to. But while you are doing all of this, factor in the gospel. A good way to do it is plant the gospel into your every activity. My salary is a hundred thousand naira. How much of a hundred thousand naira is the gospel is going to is the gospel going to benefit out of it? How much? If I've been given a million naira, I need to move into a house. My budget for moving is not one million. My budget is probably six hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand, other maybe hundred thousand for or two hundred for furnishing. But a hundred thousand from this one million goes to the gospel. I'm teaching you how to have impact. You have assignments. Fulfill them. Praise the Lord. Don't, don't just leave things to chance. If you will be dauntless, if you will be bold, this is where you start from. Because a lot of people think that boldness is just about shouting in the face of fear. No. That's a, a path to boldness. Boldness is also making sure that fear has nothing in your life to hold on to. So you will take care of all those things that would have triggered the fear. Do you get it? So if you haven't learned how to let go of the love of money by now, you cannot, this cannot be your year of God-fidence. I'm telling you now. If the love of money still has a grip on your heart, ah, the love of fame still has a grip. And, you know, the funny thing is that a lot of people think that the love of fame only affects famous people. No. If you still care very much what your friends think about you, you care so much so that it influences or affects your relationship with God. It cannot be your year of confidence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, a couple of months ago, someone, a family member was telling me, that you need to join this meeting. Everybody's joining the meeting. Now, if you don't join the meeting, how will he look on you? I said, look on me. Maybe you don't, I don't care. 
I'm really not interested in how people see me. No. I will live peacefully with all men. I will be kind as much as I can be. But you see your opinion about me? Except I choose that you matter. It doesn't matter. Only a few people's opinion about me matters. My wife, my pastor, my parents, not so much. Then you guys, because I pastor you. But outside of... um, Some people, your love for fame, everybody must love you. So you are double-sided, double-sided. You know what I'm saying. You are double-sided because everybody must love you. You have friends that all they do is talk about women. And uh, if you see this girl, eh, when she, they are your friends. Oh. And when you are dead, their conversation is making you uncomfortable. But because you want them to like you, you just laugh. <laughs> Something's wrong with you. One day, when they are saying, say, is it only women you could talk about? In this meeting now, this is what I said, is it only women and their waste? You know. Can we talk about other things? Like you now, you don't have a job. Why don't you have a job? I'm not saying, don't do that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You made an oath to God. I will never drink alcohol again. I'm not saying alcohol is bad to drink. Neither am I saying it's good. I will never drink alcohol again in my life. Then you go out with friends and then they say, what will you be having? This one said he's going to have, you know all those um, cocktails, they have very weird names, screwdriver. They have very funny names. So they are having all those funny things. They say you want to collect plier that they should give you. So that you, then you will now say, just so you are not awkward. Oh God, collect water. Drink water. If they have malt, let them give you malt. Why? I don't, I don't take alcohol. Why? I just told God I will not take alcohol. That's enough. Do you understand? Be bold enough to take a stand for the gospel wherever you are. Don't disguise it. When they now say, why don't you take alcohol? Don't say, ah, you know alcohol is not good for your body. Mm-mm. I told God I will not take alcohol. So I am not taking alcohol. Hello, pastor. Yes, I'm not taking alcohol. Do you understand? Be bold enough to take a stance for the gospel wherever you are. Praise the Lord. So if this is going to be your year of confidence, you better understand. You you need to understand the assignments. You are not where you are accidentally. The resources God has given to you, and by resources, I'm not just talking about money now. I'm talking about relationships, time, friends, influence, all of those things. He didn't just give you. He gave you because of his glory. So we will use all of them to his glory. Be like Joseph of Arimathea. Do you understand? Some of you, listen, you might have to pursue politics for this reason. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will just decide in your heart that, you know what? I've looked at the political sphere and a lot of policies are not in favor of Christians. I will go into politics so that my mouth will, my voice will matter. Um, sometime last year, I was speaking to my wife and I told my wife that 
it will never so happen that in the course of my life, that decisions that will influence our church and the body of Christ as a whole will be made and I won't have a say in the matter. So you see the mega pastor status. I'm saying it openly now so you can discern my heart. See that mega pastor status where you are big. I will go for it, not just because I want numbers in church. Numbers are good. But I want to be able to call the president when he says nonsense. He said no nonsense, you said. If you try it, I want to be able to do that. I will do it. I'm telling you now, hold me accountable because I will do it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. There's too much. Do you know where this country, Christians in this country, will be without those kinds of pastors? Many of you don't know what's going on. Or was it when the lockdown was lifted and, um, and then the, the governor said that churches will still not meet? Or Akilome said, we will meet on Sunday. Come and close the church. If, if you, come and close it. What's your reason for church? Clubs are open. People can go to markets. The gym is open. Everywhere is open. Church is not open. Why? We will meet on Sunday. Come on. And he can say it. Do you know why? Because if you take away Christ's embassy from Lagos, you will have the revenue of Lagos. The people that attend the church, the money the church brings, it is important. So we many times underestimate our power as a body. We many times underestimate it. I'm telling you in open now, these things. So when people are going for fame, you know, in ministry, you're trying to make sure people, we're not just doing it because we want people to, most pastors, you know, are, are conservative people. I can stay, you know, there was a time when we were in Festac, um, we were in the house, my wife would go out, come back. She said one day she was coming back, the gate man asked her, Olga, has he traveled? I was upstairs. I didn't leave the house for like a week. I was just upstairs. I, I'm very, I don't like going anywhere. There's food at home. Or you can order food and you deliver it to your house. But you see this, um, let people know the gospel, let people know us and what we are doing, I will chase it. Because I was born for such a time as this. And you wait too. See that mediocre lifestyle or mindset you have, dead it now. Are you hearing me? You are any 150k, you are satisfied. Don't be satisfied. Listen, uh, listen. Some of us cannot influence what we end. It's where we are. But you are where you are. It is fine. It's not a bad idea. But start looking for... Do you get it? Start, be ambitious for the gospel. Look to change the job. Look to move. Do you get it? Because, first of all, 150k is not enough for you. Do you have enough money to give for the gospel? Many times your church will announce, we need to do this, we need to do this, and then you will think to yourself, that Kai, I wish I had money, but how long... This year you will change that job, oh. Say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Be ambitious for the gospel. Some of you, the job is where you want to be. The pay is not all you want, but the job is where you think God will have you. Okay, that's fine. The next step is everybody in my office is going to go to circle church. At least those ones that don't go to church, they will attend my church by force. By fire. So you start from the first day you enter. You know, that was when, when I worked in Abuja... That's what I did. From the first day I got to the office, I carried my Bible. Now, I'm not the type to 
put my Bible like this. I'm not the type to do that. First of all, I don't, I don't carry a fiscal Bible around. But I carry a fiscal Bible deliberately. I put it on my desk. Then I got there very early. I opened it and I was reading it. Honest to God, what was I reading? I don't remember. But I was reading Why was I reading it? You are making a statement. You see me? I'm not the same with you. Do you understand? Know from now where I stand. I'm a Christian and I'm serious about it. The CEO of the office of the organization walked in. Somebody reading my Bible. He said, Are you a pastor? I said, I believe that there's a call on my life. He said, Okay. We had a conversation there. He said, You know what? You will start morning devotion for us in this place. So I started morning devotion there. And when I left, the morning devotion was still going on. Do you understand? You you have you can influence a lot of people. Problem is many people are shy. I'm shy. Who yep? No matter how shy you are, you go for job interview, ma. And you answer their questions. You won't say I'm shy. Because po- poverty. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Be ambitious for the gospel, okay? Listen, be dauntless. Go for gold. When See, where the gospel is concerned. And listen, I'm not saying this as a very great way to study. I'm telling you what you should do. Take what I'm saying seriously. Some of you, the Lord will start training you. You are inside bus today on your way home. And then the Spirit of God will now say, preach. Raise your hand if it has happened to you before. That's it. Keep your hand up if you obeyed. Put your hands down. You are inside the bus. The Spirit of God says, preach. Listen, there is one thing I don't want to train you to do. I don't want to say, oh, you don't know if the person you will preach to that will receive the gospel is the person that has the job that you have been looking. I don't want to do that. That's possible. You get, you get what I'm trying to say? I want to train you to obey God's instructions because he instructed you to do it. Not because there is the possibility that when you obey the instruction, there is this great blessing waiting for you. The Holy Ghost said, preach. So what do you do? Aha. Uh-huh. Let me tell you how to do it. You trap your own mind. This is how you do it. Once the Holy Spirit says, preach, before you start, you just say, praise the Lord. Now, you know that if I don't say anything, the person sitting next to me will shift. It's like, this person is mad. <laughs> so now that I've said, praise the Lord, I must complete it. <laughs> do you understand? That's how to trap your mind. That's how to... See... Boldness, boldness, eh? Boldness does not mean the absence of fear. Boldness means acting in spite of the fear. Do you get? So that's how you so you are in the bus. The Holy Ghost just told you, preach, praise the Lord. And then your mind is like, Jesus, what are we doing? What are we doing? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Brethren, and then you start your preaching. You don't have to say brethren, but you start your preaching, you finish the preaching, say in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Then sit back down. That thing that you do where you have to, you are trying to time it. Okay, I start preaching when I'm close to my boss. Mm-mm. You finish the preaching, you say, I finished. Oh, God bless you. Hope you were blessed. Sit down. Continue your journey. Praise the Lord. There was a time when I was coming from Abuja to Lagos. I followed night's bus. And then the Holy Spirit prompted me to preach in the night's bus. But this was after I had slept and I had woken up. And so we were at um, Lagos Ibadan Expressway, entering back into Lagos. Um, not Lagos Ibadan, Lagos Shagamu, the redemption campsite. That's Lagos Ibadan, right? Yeah, so we entered back into Lagos, and he prompted me to preach. 
And this is the funny thing. When he prompted me to preach, there were these people arguing politics. If you followed night boss before, you know that. If you followed any boss before, just, if you want to start conversation, just say, this country, eh? That's it, too. Somebody will tell you how the price of sardine is now 800 naira. Another person will tell you how the house helped stole their food and ran away from the house. One person will tell you about their pastor. you just be hearing stories. And then before you know what's going on, somebody will insult the president. Another person will say, ah, was the former president any better? So these people were arguing politics and the Holy Spirit told me to preach. I just got up in their middle. Praise the Lord. They were like, what's going on? I said, first of all, let's thank God for the journey messages that we have gotten to Lagos safely. Let's start praying. We started singing, he is alive. We prayed, and I preached. We got back to Lagos safely. I didn't preach all the way to Lagos because, ha. Ah, I preached for like 20 minutes, and I sat back down. And after preaching, everyone was quiet for a while. Then this country, no, of course. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Listen, be dauntless. But if you will be dauntless, start from the gospel. Do you get what I'm saying? Be bold for the gospel. Be ambitious for the gospel. Make sure that the gospel benefits from all the resources that God has put in your hands. Have you learned something this morning? Yes. Bow your head and just make a reaff- reaffirm your commitment to the gospel that you will be bold for the gospel. I want you to go ahead and pray. I will be bold for the gospel. I will use my resources for the gospel. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, I want you to open your church notes or your notes app. And I want you to write down, I want you to write down three areas or three things that between the month of January and the month of March, you would achieve for the gospel. We're writing down these things in the presence of God and in the presence of angels. I might not remember to ask you about them, but angels will. And what you are writing down will stand as a form of accountability to you. Three things, just three, that you will do for the gospel. Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, have you finished writing them down? Amen. Are you done? All right. So please. Hold yourself accountable. Make sure that those things you have written, I asked you to write them down so that when you are going through your notes in two weeks' time and you see it, you say, ah, I have not started or ah, thank God I have started. You know what I mean? Thank you for listening. For more 
head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.